Hey, thank you guys so much for coming today. I'm super excited to, to talk to you as we kind of dive into, again, the next week of our series, uh, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. Wow, there's lots of you here. Good job, guys. Way to make it to church. Um, I am, my name is Mike. I am uh, the executive pastor here. Uh, me and Larry are splitting this series, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. I'm super excited about it. If you were here a few weeks ago, um, I got to talk to you guys a little bit about this idea of, of practicing the way of how Jesus lived, kind of trying to have our life model, um, not just what Jesus told us to do, but also to actually live in kind of the rhythms of the life that Jesus had. And prayer certainly is one of the rhythms that we see that Jesus has throughout uh, the New Testament and really something that I think us as Christians try to be good at. But if we're truthful, and I had a poll right now, and I said, how many of you think you're good prayers? Um, I think many hands would not go up in the air. So that makes me sad. Um, and the goal of this series is not really to get you to a spot where um, you feel like, okay, now I know exactly how I'm supposed to pray, and I've met the requirements, and now I can start praying, but, but rather the opposite, for you to really be empowered to pray. I want you, my goal is for you to leave here today kind of excited to pray. So that might seem weird to some of you that maybe that's never happened before. Maybe that was a thing that you had in your past and it's kind of gone away. So know that today and all of these weeks, these messages are not to make you feel guilty because you're not praying, um, not to make you feel like you've got some like magic genie in the bottle thing where you can say these words and God has to grant your prayers, but rather for you to feel like you can experience the presence of God whenever you want. And that that is the best possible thing that could be happening to you. Does that make sense? Awesome. Okay, so last week, one person makes sense. The rest of you didn't make sense. I got you. We'll get there. We'll get there. I'll go slower. Okay. Um, so last week we, we heard from Larry. We, we started diving into um, the Lord's Prayer or the, our, our Father or whatever you want to call it. Um, for that, we, we started diving into that. Uh, we looked at Jesus talking about prayer. We see the Lord's Prayer in a couple of different spots. Um, in the New Testament, did you know that? We've got it in Luke 11 where Jesus is just off praying at a certain place. And then uh, he, he comes back and his disciples see him pray. And they're like, what in the world was that? Like, I mean, they know how to pray. But the interesting thing is they say, Lord, teach us to pray. Like, we want to do it like that. And so then Lord Jesus goes into what we know as the Lord's Prayer. And then in Matthew 11, we, or Matthew 6, excuse me, we also see it on the Sermon on the Mount. And that's the one that you're probably the most familiar with as far as the text goes. Um, they both say the same thing, but this is the one that I think you probably have heard the most. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna read this. Let's read this together. Can we do that? We're gonna read this together. So this is Matthew 6, 9 through 13. This is the NIV version. Uh, it's got a word in there that I love, and that's what I'm gonna dive in on into today. So let's read this together, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. You ready? Have you guys heard this one before? Okay, good. Ready? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts if we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Good job. You guys did great. Okay. So the, the amazing thing about this, right, the most beautiful thing about this is the disciples ask Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And what Jesus does not do is say, here are the instructions and here are the qualifications for how you're to pray. What does he do? He demonstrates. He prays. He essentially tells us, if you want to learn to pray, then pray. 
That's how you learn to pray is to start praying. If you're sitting here in this room today and you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do to pray. I'm not a very good prayer. I'm not sure the steps I need to take. Take a deep sigh of relief because all you need to do to start praying is to start praying. That's it. And there's no bad way to do it. There, no prayer will be rejected. I promise you, all God wants to hear is from you, right? So Jesus shows us, he demonstrates to us today how to pray. Last week we talked about that first line, our Father in heaven, and the significance of who exactly we're talking to in this prayer, right? This idea of calling God our Father, right? Jesus says our Father. He doesn't say my Father. He says our Father. This is our Father. That is such a unique phrase to use, especially when this is spoken. You've said it a million times if you grew up in church. But if you go back to this moment when Jesus is speaking, this relational idea that closely was not, not exactly what it was with God. This really turns this idea of this God being this God a bit with his arms folded, looking down, making sure we don't, we don't mess up in our lives, and switches it to like a wide open arm God. I heard someone once say like how you picture God when you close your eyes is kind of the God that you pray to. And a lot of us, I think, have we, we close our eyes and we picture this God with his arms folded and he's mad at us and he can't believe we did what we just did and he can't believe he hasn't heard from us in so long. But what we see here through Jesus telling us is this is our Father in heaven. This is our Father in heaven, right? Our Yahweh Elohim, right? Like this, this creator of the earth and also this relational God. It's truly an amazing thing. So last week we dove into that of our Father in heaven. This week we're going to talk about the second line of hallowed be your name. Your Bible might also say, may your name be kept holy, may your name be uh, revered as holy. This idea of, 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 of hallowing the name of God essentially means that we set aside God's name as holy. Again, I love kind of geeking out about scripture, so I don't want to spend like forever doing this. But the order of this is really significant in your prayer life. I, I, I think it's really interesting that God doesn't say, that Jesus doesn't tell us and show us how we pray as we launch into all the requests. And then at the end, if we have time, we really try to think about who we're praying to. No, the stuff where we get to ask God for what we want in this prayer is like six lines in. Right? We've got we to get there. And we get there by recognizing who God is as our Father, and then we hallow his name. We set his name aside as holy. Right? There has to be a separation from how you see yourself to how you actually see God. Because the next thing you're going to do in this prayer is to ask for his will to be done and not your own. And if there's not a trust there, if there's not a hallowing of the name of God, if there's not some type of adoration for that name or reverence for that name, it is very, very difficult to trust sometimes the results that come from our prayers. So when we hallow God, why do we do it? Why do we hallow God, right? We just said there a bit. One reason as far as like the actual like character of why would we hallow this God, we recognize the importance of doing it, but why would we do this? We hallow God because God is good. And we use that word good a lot. But truly, God is good. In Mark, we see folks just praising Jesus, how amazing Jesus is, how you're amazing, you're amazing, you're good, you're good. And this is what Jesus said, only God is truly good. And that's the God you get to pray to, right? Only God is good. In James, we see this, that whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our 
Father. So we have a very good God, and every good thing and perfect thing that we have is a gift from God the Father. So we have this relational God. Think about that. Every good thing, as a believer, every good thing we believe is to be a gift from God. Every good thing that you have in your life is a gift from God. And that same God is not just this relational God. This is the God of the universe, right? This is the self-sufficient, eternal, infinite, omnipotent, just, merciful, divine, faithful, sovereign, perfect God. That's the God you get to pray to. That's your God. That's your Father. So it's so important when we pray that we recognize who we're praying to. Hallowing God allows us to put things in perspective of just who God is. It reminds us of just how perfect he is and how close he actually is. I think so many times when we pray, we feel like we're praying to a distant father. Right? Like he's far, far away. When in reality, the more you pray, the more you read the word, the more you're experiencing the presence of God, the more you understand that God's presence is as close as the air on your skin. And sometimes the distance part is just how far you feel, not how far he actually is. And the reminder of how close you are to his presence is so necessary and so comforting to know. Because we're going to ask him for things. And we're going to trust him with things. And our faith is going to rely not in what we can do or what we've done or the good deeds that we do, but rather to have faith in him. James tells us to draw near to God and he'll draw near to us. I truly believe if we want to draw near to God, then we must hallow who he is. So how do we do it, right? How do we hallow God's name? We can certainly recognize who he is, and I think that's a definitely, definitely a way to do it. There's many ways to do it. I'm going to give you kind of the one that works best for me. So I told you guys recently I took a sabbatical. Um, and when I came back, I... Uh, I was surprised at, like, the difference that had been made over the month. It was kind of gradually happening, but then I recognized that there was some significant changes. And with me, my prayer life was, like, a big, like a big change. Like, really, like, almost like a, like, a, this is a churchy word, but kind of like, a, like an awakening with prayer. Like, I hadn't really been praying before, like, in, in like, an intentional way, or I didn't really know what I was doing with it. And now I, 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 I was praying in a way that I felt like was very intentional, and so through that, I kind of found different, different ways and different things that I was doing in my prayer life that was different than before. Before, it was kind of like, like a routine, like, okay, we pray for our meals, we pray when we go to bed, God, take care of my family, you know, make the bad stuff stop, that kind of thing. I mean, I'm making that a bit more shallow than it is, but really, honestly, not that much. And that's okay. And that's where my prayer life was. God accepted that. That's fine. But where it really started getting better to me is when I really started focusing in on the words that I was praying. And that's kind of the cool thing about prayer is that it doesn't matter where you start, God accepts those prayers, and God hears you. It doesn't change how much he hears you with how good you get at praying. It helps you, though, I think, and there's growth to be had with you within those prayers to learn different ways that you can do it and different ways where you can experience the presence of God. Remember, Jesus was constantly in the presence of God through his prayers, and that's a goal that we should have as we strive to look more like him. So the one thing that's worked for me as far as how I hallow God's name, and I'm going to encourage you guys this week, I'm going to give you a one-week experiment to try this, is through gratitude. 
through simply saying thank you. That's it. That sounds like the easiest, most silly thing you've ever heard in church. When can you be done talking, Mike? We already knew this. But I challenge you really to think about the ways if we really believe that everything that is truly good and holy comes from God, if we truly believe that, then that means everything that you've got that is good came from that Father. And when we think about all, think of the good things in your life, and sometimes it's hard, I know some of you are going through stuff where it's really, really, really hard, and I'm going to help you today with that, right? But there's things in our life that we know we're grateful for. Those things came from God, and when we think about those things, for me, it's like, what other response could there be except just thank you? Thank you for the things in our life. What if you started or ended your day simply by saying thank you for the things in your life? And what if you were super intentional about it, right? What if you were so intentional you actually could list the things? If you were in a space where you could actually list the things that you were grateful for, how different would your prayer life look? How much more could you hallow the name of God simply by saying thank you for the things that he's given you in your life? Perhaps things that you've taken for granted, along the way. But here's the thing. When we pray prayers of gratitude, there's many, many different ways that we can do it. One thing that must be clear, you've got to be intentional about gratitude. Gratitude to me is the prayer that gets left behind the most, right? Because we have needs that happen and we have these requests that we've got. We've got the busyness of our life. And when we get to a prayer, it's got to be a quick one. It's got to be right now. It's got to be in the moment because we're mad at God or frustrated with God, or we can't see God, or we need God right here, right now to answer this prayer. That's our prayer. And let me tell you, that is fine. If that's where you're at, that is fine. But I want to challenge you to really make an intentional point to pay attention to the things around you that are good in your life and to simply say thank you. But if you do not make time for it, it will not happen on its own, right, if we're honest. Like if I told you right now, list 50 things that you're grateful for in your life, it, it might be tough for you because honestly, you know you've got a good life, you know things are good, but you haven't really stopped to think about the individual small things in your life that's good. And when you start to do that, when you can start to get into really praising God and really understanding and being grateful for the little things that God has given you, then what we start to do is we start to become more and more and more grateful and we start to draw closer and closer and closer to God. Ignatius said that ingratitude is the most abominable of all sins. So essentially telling us that, in his words, this is not scripture, it's a quote, but it's a good one, right? Essentially, what he's telling us is that this. If we want to feel as far away to God as possible, then do not be grateful for anything. So if he's telling us that, if ingratitude takes us over here from where we feel like God's at, then clearly the opposite of that is what? To be grateful. So we want to draw as close to God as possible. I challenge you to choose to be grateful for the things around you. We must be intentional about it. Okay, so practically, right? Practically, how, how do we do this? Like, what are some ways? So you're here, you're like, cool. Like, what does that look like? Like, how am I supposed to pray that? And let me say this. Let me apologize on behalf of churches uh, and probably churches you grew up with that have messed you up along the way that said, like, when you want to pray, just have a conversation with God. 
right? That's great advice. That's fantastic advice if you can have a conversation with God. But I'm thinking if I'm brand new to church and someone says, just talk to God, some people are not going to like that. So know some things on this list are here to help you out. If you're like, I don't even know how to have a conversation with God. Okay? That makes sense? So my apologies if that was you and that messed you up as your prayer life. All right? So ways that we can hallow God's name. I'm going to throw the whole list up there for you guys to see here. I'm going to shoot through these pretty quick. Simply put, taking time at the end of your day to reflect on how the day went, right? Just, just really thinking about your day. Like two minutes, five minutes, just think about your day and the things you have to be grateful for throughout the day. Right? Some of you guys might like to sing. We sing these praise songs. There's great text in there, right? The Psalms, fantastic to read those, to sing those, to truly mean those. When you pray the Psalms or liturgy, right? So this is like pre-written out prayers. So many of us think like, oh, I can't do those. Those aren't my prayers. But I got to tell you, there's been moments in my life for sure when I have zero left to give. And I cannot formulate words to pray to God. And sometimes it's just thank you, and that's great, and that's fine, and that's appropriate, and that's accepted. But sometimes I want some words. And liturgy, like the common book of prayer, has great prayers of thankfulness. Psalms is full of thankfulness, right? To read those prayers, to read those songs, to sing those songs. And if that's your prayer, let you know that is okay. And maybe along the way as you're reading those psalms, something really sticks out. And you want to go off on a little tangent with God about that thing. Then do it that way. But just choose to be grateful along the way. Journaling, a fantastic way. To say our thankfuls. With my kids at night, we started doing this thing. Before we go to bed, we each say a thing we're thankful for, right? we got to look through the day, good mood, bad mood, no matter how we're doing, late for bed, early for bed, whatever it is, we pick one thing that we're thankful for that day. And we thank God for it. Just one thing. Just something. The prayer of examine, we talked about Ignatius. He founded the Jesuit religion, right? So the prayer of examine, I, I love this, and I'd spend an hour talking about it, but I'm not going to. The prayer of examine essentially gives you different things to do throughout the day to pay attention to your day. One of the things is through gratitude, to actually list out the things throughout your day where you saw God going to work, where you saw God in your life. For some of us, this is easy. For some of you, it's difficult. It doesn't matter where you are. The only thing that matters is that you start wherever you are and give praise to God for who he is. Dainu, this is a Passover Seder song. Again, another thing I'd love to spend forever on, but I'm not going to. But essentially what this song is, it's sung every Passover. And the word Dainu means it would have been enough. So what this song is, is it lists things that God's done and says, like, if you would have just done that, it would have been enough. But then you did more. Right? God, you overdid it. You did too much. And then you just kept doing it and kept doing it. And this is an amazing thing to do, and it's an amazing thing to do in reverse. If you start at like where you are at the end of the day and say, and just go backwards and backwards, the things he could have done, it would have been enough. But he kept doing it, and he kept doing it. I'll read you a bit of that Dianu right here. It says this. If he had split the sea for us and had not taken us through it on dry land, it would have been enough. If he had taken us through it on dry land and had not push, uh, pushed down our enemies in the sea, it would have been enough. If he had pushed down our enemies in the sea and not supplied our needs in the wilderness for 40 years, it would have been enough. This is an amazing way to remind yourself that God overdoes it all of the time in your life. But sometimes we're going so fast, we don't 
see it. Sometimes we just have to slow down and be intentional to pay attention to just exactly where God is. And sometimes we just say thanks. Sometimes all you have is just thanks. And if that's you, that's okay. See that great quote up there. It's by a German theologian. Meister Eckhart says, if the only prayer you said in your whole life was thank you, that would suffice. So if thank you is all you have to give, let that be all you have to give. Just give something. Give some type of gratitude. Pay attention in your life to the things you have to be grateful for. And then thank God for them, however you want to do it. Sometimes in our life, I think that we get going so, so fast. We get in such a hurry that we confuse the things in our life that we should be grateful for with things that we think are like a, like a hampering on our life, like that are holding us back in our life. I, do, I deal with this a lot, especially when I was a youth pastor with students, where they're like, you know, I got accepted into 13 universities, and I don't know where I'm going to go. And I am just so stressed about it, and I just don't know what God's doing. Like I, don't, like, I don't know where I'm supposed to go, and we're super stressed. And that's fine, and I understand the stress point, and that's great. Um, but really, right, if we really back up a bit on that, maybe we could take a second to say, thank you, God, for the opportunity to choose between 13 different universities. Thank you for the brain that you gave me that allowed me to do the work Thank you for the work ethic that was instilled in me by my parents or my family or whoever did it. Thank you for helping me get through the hard nights of studying that you didn't have to do. You, you know, does this make sense? Sometimes we just have to slow down. Sometimes we're just in such a hurry. We can't get to that point of gratitude. And if we can't get to that point of gratitude, that's a, that's a dangerous spot to be because this prayer that I read was not my prayer, right? It's not, that's, not, that's not the Mike's prayer. That is the Lord's prayer. This is Jesus telling you how to pray. And Jesus suggests we don't just leap into the asking part, right? Or leap into lamenting or leap into to forgiveness, right? We can do those things, it's all fine, but how he shows us is this, there needs to be some reverence for who we're praying to. And we hallow God's name, I think best, for me at least, through gratitude, through prayers of gratitude. We gotta slow down. There's a fantastic book. Uh, if you go to mycbcb.com slash prayer, that's kind of a resource list of, of books that we're kind of referencing, uh, texts that we're referencing, um, different Ways to pray, apps to use, all that stuff. I highly encourage you to go there. On there, there's a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry uh, by a pastor named John Mark Comer. I would highly suggest that book. If I'm saying this stuff about hurry and you feel like that spirit conviction, right? That like, oh, he's talking right to me. I am in such a hurry all of the time. There's an incredible book um, on silence, and it'll be on there too. And it essentially says there's no way for you to process anything that God is doing in your life without silence. There must be moments of actual silence in your life for you to process not only what God is doing, but really anything that is going on. Otherwise, everything just becomes reactionary, right? We're not stopping to contemplate actually what is going on, to pay attention. So today I challenge us to contemplate what God is doing in our lives and where we can show him gratitude. I'm going to give you an illustration here, okay? I interviewed a pastor at our church. He's 41 years old. His name is... Steve, that's nah, me. This is me. I was talking to myself, okay? <laughs> so I'm going to read you an example of what an unintentional 
busy day would look like if you told me, Mike, what does your life look like? What do you have grateful for? And where I could justifiably say, you know, not really a ton today. Like, honestly, I, this, is, this is a true, the, the inner workings of my brain, you don't want to get in there, but this is essentially how it can go sometimes, right? Maybe some of you can relate to some of this, right? Here we go. I'm going to read this fast. Nina, I apologize. I'm going to go super fast with this. I'm sorry. So this is a busy, non-intentional, not really that much to be grateful for day. Wake up next to dragon breath. Sorry, honey. <laughs> she's she's going to be, she told me not to use that part, and I just did it. And she's here. This is, this is, that was bad. Okay. Let's back up. This is relevant to the, to the illustration, I promise. Her breath is not dragon breath. How do we know dragon breath is, breath is bad? Like, you know what I mean? Like, poor dragon breath. Quit labeling them. Okay, here we go. Wake up next to dragon breath, quick workout so I don't get fat, kids get ready for school, make lunches, rush to school with kids, come back home and quickly get ready, almost die slipping on my little ponies in the shower, get the third kid ready for school, rush to take her to school and to work, and run late because rain is causing traffic, stressed all day at work, get home exhausted, kids are fighting, shove dinner down because kids still have homework, get kids showered, now comes bedtime, ugh, Finally get kids to sleep after an hour of them begging me to lay with them. Aimlessly scroll through streaming platforms with wife. Nothing good on. Idea of extracurricular activities is brought up, but quickly shot down. I won't say by who. Go to bed. Wake up. Repeat. Mike, what do you have to be grateful for on this day? Not a lot. Not a lot that day, right? But watch this. What if we take this and turn this into an intentional day, right? A day where we're, we're, we're purposefully paying attention to the moments in reflection on what the day actually was. What if it looked like this? Got to wake up next to a lady who still loves me and who I love, even though she has dragon breath. <laughs> Thank you, God. Got to utilize my lungs and strength God has given me in a workout. Thank you, God. Got to spend time with my kids and give them nourishment for their day as I took one of our two vehicles to spend more time with them in the car and take them to school. Thank you, God. Got to spend one-on-one -on -one time with our youngest who is only, only has one more of these preschool years left as we drive and sing together on the way to school and work. And I'm reminded as we sing that the My Little Pony in the Shower years are limited. Whoops. And that makes me sad. Thank you, God. Got to get out of a heat-filled summer with some amazing rain and gave me more time to see a new kind of sky and spend more time with kid number three. Thank you, God. I got to be one of the lucky Americans who has a reliable and steady full-time job. Thank you, God. I got to go home to see a family who loves me and kids who are figuring out how to show affection to each other and navigate emotions as we get to break bread together. Thank you, God. Then I got to spend time praying and putting my kids to bed after they were able to take a hot shower. And they love me so much, they want me to stay in bed with them. Thank you, God. Got to then hang out with my wife and just do nothing and be okay with it. And then go back to sleep next to the lady that still makes my heart flutter. Thank you, God. And then tomorrow, I get to do it all over again. Can we see, can we see how just taking a little bit of time to be intentional and to be grateful can show us 
all the amazing ways that God is, in fact, showing up in your life. So many times we think that God is so far away and that he's not listening. And why isn't he answering? Why isn't he answering? Why isn't he answering? And I think sometimes we need to to know those answers, and it's important. I'm not asking you not to want to know those answers. I'm just going to challenge you to, to, to think about this. This is like a bonus of like, why do we hallow? Sometimes I think recognizing the where is the most important thing, even over the why. And that's a, that's a weird thing to say, and I understand that. But I think it's possible that recognizing the where, it might be what unlocks the peace you think the why will provide. I think so many of us think if I could just get this answered, it will be okay. If I can just get that promotion, it will be okay. If we can just buy this car, if these answers, these prayers will just get answered, just get answered, that's what will make things okay. And I think sometimes that's the truth. And I think those prayers are fine to have, and you should have those honest conversations with God. Absolutely. But I also think it's possible that what we're seeking here on this earth more than anything is that peace that passes understanding, that rest found only in Jesus And sometimes the best way to find that is to simply look for where God is and not necessarily why he is or isn't doing things the way you want him to do them. I'm going to give you this illustration. This has happened a a couple months back. This is with uh, my daughter, our middle daughter, Elle. So Elle's nine years old. Um, She... uh, she is at that age right now, and maybe you, you have kids that have hit this age. Um, they get a certain age, and they start to pay attention to what's going on in the world. Like, they're kind of oblivious, and then all of a sudden, they, like, know what's going on. And so for some of them, they don't care. Um, like, our son, Graydon, really just was, all right, cool. Like, stuff happens. He just really kind of just rolled with it. He's like his mom. Just real, like, roll with anything. L is like her dad, and very much, like, very anxious about things going on in this world all the time. So she started to become, like, more and more aware of things that were going on. She started to have what many of us would probably call like irrational fears. Usually at bedtimes these happen where she starts to freak out about stuff, right? So a couple months back, she read a book on sinkholes. I mean, I'm not up for banning books, but I mean, that one might be one that I, I, might, I might throw that one on the list if I could. She read a book about sinkholes, right? So she, Ellie's brain is just like, what? What? Like, are you kidding me? So she became just kind of like obsessed with this idea that the earth was going to open and swallow her whole, right? Like that is this thing. And it's silly, but like that's, that's horrifying. Like the idea of a sinkhole is crazy, right? And so she could not go to sleep. I mean, could not go to sleep. Why are there sinkholes? Why would God let this happen? Why is this a thing? How are we going to prevent this from happening? What if tonight this happens in my bedroom and me and my sister, this happens to us and you wake up and like the earth swallowed us, right? Why? Why is this stuff? And she could not get over it. It, 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 We we prayed, we did our breathing, we did all the things. We could not get this to stop. So finally I said, I've got to leave your room. It's midnight. Like, we've, we've gone back and forth. I'm not really sure what else. I tried to explain it. I don't really have great answers on why they're sinkholes. I'm not that smart. Um, I know it's not going to happen in our room tonight, but she didn't believe me, right? So why, why all these things that I have to leave your room? So she said, okay. So I said, I'm going to be in the living room. We turned our garage into a bedroom. That's my daughter's room. She can see straight into our living room from her room, right? And she told me, 
if you go in there, will you sit on the left side of the couch? And I said, sure. And you want to know it was the left side of the couch? Because she could see me. So, watch this. I sit on the couch. <laughs> I'm phrasing this, framing this like I was like calm and cool for this four hours of sinkhole conversation. I was pretty worked up about it myself, right? So I'm breathing, I'm calming down, take a deep breath, here we go. All right, and pretty much before I turn the TV on, I turn around and Elle's asleep, right? She's asleep. Now let me ask you a question. Did Ellie find out her answer to why sinkholes happen? She didn't. Did she find out her answer to why God would let sinkholes be a thing? Nope. Did she find answers to any of her questions that night? Nope. You know what she found? She found where I was. And that's all that she needed to fall asleep for that night. Sometimes what you need is the where more than the why. And the band's going to come up here. We're going to sing a song, right? Oh, great. Sing a song. Don't leave. Some of you guys leave when we do this. Don't leave. I'm going to challenge you with something today, okay? I'm going to really challenge you this week to be super intentional about paying attention to the things in your life that are good. And as a believer, recognize that everything that is good and holy is a gift from our Father in heaven. And for us to remember who our Father in heaven is through the gratitude of the good things he is doing in your life. And the thing that's necessary for that to happen is going to be you taking a deep breath and slowing down and eliminating that hurry. To be intentional about it. And if you're here today and you're like, I just can't think of anything to be grateful for. I want to remind you of something. We serve this God, right? This great big God. This, this beginning and end, transcending all time God, all knowing, all loving, all encompassing, everything God. That, that gave us the option to have a relationship with him as a father. And he could have made it really hard. He could have made a lot of things that we had to do in order to, to get that relationship. And he tried to do the things, and if you read the Old Testament, you see just trying and failing and people trying and failing. And finally he said, you know what? I'm going to send one final sacrifice so that all you need to have relationship with me. <laughs> this is a quote I'm going to read to you. The only thing of my very own which I can contribute to my redemption is providing the sin from which I need to be redeemed. That's a great quote. That's William Temple. This means the only thing you need to give God, all he needs from you, is for you to give him that sin that clogs up your life, and he will take it. And his son took that sin on that cross for you, for me. We don't deserve it, but he took it on that cross, all of that sin. And what you need to do is remember that and believe that. And by doing that, you've got this relationship with the Father, an eternal relationship with the Father in heaven. Now, to me, if you believe that, no matter how stuck you get, how bad life gets, I think we can always go back to this idea of saying, that that's worth a thank you. That's worth a gratitude. 
So right now we're going to sing a song. What I want you to do in this song is I'm going to give you a cheat day. I'm going to ask you three or four times this week to really pay attention to the things you're thankful for. Right now, your mind is racing with hundreds of things you're thank thankful for, and you can't wait to stand to your feet and thank God for it through the song we're going to sing. Some of you right now are stuck because you're in a spot where you're so rushed with everything, you need to take time to just chill and just think. All I want you to do is just think about the things you have to be grateful in your life. Sit where you are, drop to your knees, make notes in your phone, write it down. I don't care what you do. I just want you to be present in this moment and intentional for the next six minutes as we sing a song. And lift your hands and say thank you. If that's all you can do, then raise them up and say thank you. That will work. If it's just to say thank you for all the things in your life, then just say the prayer and don't sing. We're not taking count of who's singing and who's not singing, right? We're creating intentional moments here. This is one for the week. Create a few more as you go along, but know that we serve that great big God that is worthy to be hallowed of our praise. So let's find some time and intentionality of our life to show him some gratitude. So stand up if you want to stand up. Sit down if you want to sit up. Don't leave. Take this time. Give thanks to our creator.